0: Your weekly fix of Asian music. This is Asian Pop Nation. Yo, 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 you're listening to Asian Pop Nation, since home for Asian music and Asian pop culture. My name is Tracy, and if you're a regular listener, you'll be aware that Jessie is usually the person who introduces the show as our glorious executive producer. But she's overseas at the moment, so I'll be filling in as interim EP for the next few shows. We started off the show with one-two punch of SM boy groups. First off, you heard Talk Saxy by Rise, and after that, we played Pop and Love by Wavy, both very 90s boy band-influenced songs. Tonight, you'll be hearing from me, Xenia, Lee, and Leisha. As always, we'll be presenting a curated selection of new music from Asian artists, but also tonight... It's a very, very special show because we've got not one, but two interviews lined up with Korean artists who recently came down for South by Southwest Sydney. I had the absolute pleasure of talking to Meaningful Stone, and I just want to say she was so lovely, you guys. Just like so bubbly and thoughtful and just fun to talk to. Xenia also sat down with Jackie, formerly known as Solette, to talk about her recent Australian tour and her artistry. After that, we'll be talking about some recent controversies surrounding an Australian sushi shop in New York, and also continuing our gamer news streak that we've been on recently by covering the recent K-pop song collabs with League of Legends and Overwatch. Please stay tuned for the Meaningful Stone interview, which is coming right up next, but before then, we're going to play some music for you all. I would describe the next two songs as Halloween-influenced, I guess. I'm still not over the Halloween special we did last week. First up, this is Tawaka with her excellently titled song, Discord Disco. Hi, you're listening to Asian Pop Nation. You've just heard three songs. These were Tawaka with Discord Disco. Next, we played Rubens with their math rock song, Mateki. And finally, we heard Korean indie rock band MGFF or MacGuffin with their song simply titled, Ping. Speaking of Korean indie artists, right now we're going to cut to a very special interview with the wonderful and talented Meaningful Stone. We talked about her recent performances in Sydney and Brisbane, translating lyrics, her favourite artists growing up, her experience acting in her first movie, and lastly, some hints at new music for next year. Without further ado, I'll pass the mic to Pass Tracy to introduce her. You're listening to Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. My name is Tracy, and I am so, so, so honoured to be here with an artist whose music I absolutely adore. If you are at all acquainted with the Korean indie music scene at the moment, I'm sure you've come across our guest. And if you're not familiar with her music yet, I strongly, strongly urge you to check it out after this interview. In 2020, she put out her first album, A Call From My Dream, which earned her Rookie of the Year at the Korean Music Awards, committee member... Lee sun described her music as strange and beautiful, refined but raw, cheerful but heavy, singing songs in a way that is sometimes profound, sometimes witty, and sometimes simple. And that is a description that I really think encompasses her music very well. Since her first album, she has since released an alternative rock and garage-inspired EP called Cobalt and several singles. Last year, around this time, she released Kido, Trash, and Psychomania. And this year, in April, she released The Fifth Spring, return to the folk genre of her debut album. Last month, very, very recently, she came down to Australia for the inaugural South by Southwest Sydney Music Festival. And next week, she'll be heading straight off to Taipei and Manila to do some more shows there. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce Meaningful Stone <laughs> to Asian Pop Nation. Thank you for coming on the show. I want to ask, Are you You look like you're back in Korea right now.
1: Yeah, um, I'm finally in Korea and I want to go back to
0: yeah? Sydney. <laughs> yeah, I saw on your Instagram that you really, really enjoyed Sydney. What do you miss most about Australia <laughs> and Sydney? I guess the
1: first thing is weather. Korea <laughs> is getting getting cold and it the winter is coming. Yeah, yeah. But Australia is getting warm and it's it's going to be a uh, summer these days. So. Yes. I felt like taking a time machine, going back to early 2023.
0: So yeah, I love
1: the weather. I I really love the big trees and and uh, the green yard. I saw that you also went to Brisbane. I was invited to have a show. I wanted to make more shows. Of course, Sydney, I love it, but I want you know Australia is kind of a it's really big country. Yeah, so I wanted to go Melbourne, but I had some schedule. <laughs> In Korea, so uh, I chose yeah. Brisbane. I also worried about it's a small countryside. Yeah. Compared with Sydney and Melbourne. So mm-hmm. it, what if there's no one coming to my show? <laughs> but I met a lot of fans in Brisbane and they yeah. were so... Adorable, and I was so thankful to to my fans coming to Brisbane. There were fans who's from Melbourne to, yeah. to see my show. So wow, yeah, I thought Brisbane in my memory it's a really small and cute and also peaceful, <laughs> peaceful
0: yeah. side. Damn. Even I've never been to Brisbane, but yeah, no one goes there. So I think they really appreciate anyone who goes there. Uh, It's very strange to see someone not go to Melbourne, but it's okay. (laughs) It means you can come back. You can come back. We'll forgive you if you come back to Australia. (laughs) In terms of smaller shows, do you like that better than playing big festival crowds? Oh, I think it's really different with
1: know the big festivals or the small venues like acoustic shows but I think for me big festivals I really love to play with the crowds Mm -hmm. I like to shout and I love to see people like they're getting crazy but at the small shows I think I love the small shows better than (laughs) than the big festivals I'd like to meet a lot of crowds but for me I'd like to see my fans like eye to eye i like to have a conversation with music i also love the small concert and with the acoustic sessions yeah it's a a really different um different
0: uh yeah 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 because obviously with festival crowds you have your band as well whereas with smaller shows it's just you and your guitar I've heard some musicians describe like the sofa sounds um concerts as being scary because they're not used to playing in such an intimate show. Like if you if you make a mistake, everyone can hear But it's good uh-huh. to hear that you really enjoy them. Because listening to your discography, it seems like half of it is like for festival crowds, and half of it is for intimate crowds because you have, um, you do both genres really, really well. You do alternative rock, like nice and heavy, very nineties inspired alternative rock, mm-hmm. and you also do very lush, very beautiful folk music. What's it like to translate your louder alternative rock sounds to mm-hmm. like a smaller venue, or performing your quieter songs to a larger venue? Do you feel like they like? Is it different? Mm,
1: yeah, because because you know, I'm not really a I'm not really shouting, musician. I think my voice are mostly. I, I'd like to whisper. Yeah. I, I, I like to make it like a dreamy, yes, dreamy, definitely sounds. So especially when I do folk and acoustic mm. sessions, I feel myself to concentrate on yeah. my inner self. So it makes me get myself into the music more than having a you know rock shows, but. I met my friends and they told me, like, I like you playing acoustic alone more than rock. So, like, it might be a really different feeling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think people like me <laughs> doing rock, but I want to be, like, more peaceful. I want to concentrate on me and my music alone. So
0: it's a really different feeling. When you're playing shows, uh, do you find that there are certain songs that the crowd just really, really goes crazy for? It's it's dancing in the rain, dancing in the rain.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess because nice. it doesn't have a long lyrics. And it keeps dun, repeating, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and people can sing it together, sing along together. Most of the festivals should be not rainy Yeah, yeah, you no, know because I mean? <laughs> because if it's raining, people have to wear the you know the the raincoat, rain jacket. Yeah, but after I released dancing in the rain, I started to love the rainy days. <laughs>
0: I was really surprised because I was expecting you to say beep-boop-beep-boop because Ah. you've described it before as like your biggest hit. Mm. Uh, And that song is very interesting to me because it sounds, if you don't know the lyrics at all, you listen to it, you think it's very cute. But actually, when you look up the lyrics, they're actually about death. Right. Can you talk more about that, like the meaning behind the song?
1: When I just turned 20, I moved my home to Seoul to go to the university. I moved my house alone. And when I just started to live in Seoul, I think I realized the reality. It really depressed me that sometimes when you just walk, walk on the road, you could just accidentally get crushed because I felt like, especially in Seoul, people are so working hard and they don't really think about the death because if you think about the death and you become like more philosophy i, I guess yeah, philosophical that, yeah, yeah yeah and people try to think how should they live mm-hmm. better than better than now
0: yeah better than the they're doing like, now
1: i thought the world is so depressing me
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I wanted to make a will before I die. I wanted to make a will, and at that moment it was 2015, and yep. that was the time the Korea society had a big issues about political oh, things, like
0: crisis. Yeah, yeah, like a crisis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: There was really big issues at that moment. I heard so, about this. Yeah, yeah. And I had also the same issues on me. I thought it's really related on our death, people's mm-hmm. death. So uh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be sacrificed, sacrificed yeah. by politicians. So mm. that's why I ma- I wanted to make a will, which is made of music. Yeah. So I wrote it on the l- lyrics that if I die someday, I don't want to sacrifice my money. I don't want to sacrifice by
0: other people. Yeah. So it's, it's it's a will. <laughs> <laughs> you were like 22 when you released this and you, you're already writing your will. That's crazy to me. Oh, but yeah. yeah, listening to it, I thought it was about like being independent because it's mm-hmm. like the way they translated it, it was like, I don't want to die for someone else's pain. I don't want to die for someone else's money. But it makes more sense when you describe it as being about being part of a political system. How do you feel about the fact that a lot of your fans are foreign fans and so they can't really fully understand your lyrics because your lyrics are such a key part of your music?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe because I hope they understand Koreans, but I think it doesn't matter they like my songs, whether if it's because of the r- lyrics or not. I just feel good if they like my music. Like just the melodies or my voices. But I hope people can understand it someday. If they really love me a lot, then maybe yeah. they can search it, pre translate it to English. I
0: you know? think mm-hmm. as a fan, the best thing ever is when you do shows with Arirang, because mm-hmm. they translate everything. And no, no other place does that. <laughs> Translates to English. Whoever does uh, their translations does them oh, really. really well. oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I wanted to ask. When did you realize that you had a huge following overseas? Like, wh- what was the events that made you realize that you had a lot of fans overseas?
1: Um, uh, maybe
0: for Spotify for artists, through.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> they have a good system to yeah, to, yeah, to know to see uh, to like see country. Oh. Yeah, like, but but it's a number. Yeah, yeah. But, I think it was the time that I released "Dancing in the Rain," the, the Cobalt album. I think that was the point that I knew that there was a lot of foreign fans who also listen my music. Because um, two thousand twenty, I didn't know that I had a fan in Korea. Also, you know, that was my <laughs> really <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah. Uh, so, even though you won all those awards. Mm-hmm.
1: But awards are, I think, awards are just awards. Awards are given from the Korean music, uh, the critics, critics. Yes. So maybe at that two thousand twenty-one or twenty-two, I think that was the time. And and a lot of foreign fans, they they give me DM or or
0: oh, yeah. they post. Mm-hmm. Do you respond to your DMs? <laughs> uh, not every time but I tried I tried oh, to really? no that's rare actually that's pretty rare
1: but I read it at oh. least I can read them all
0: that's very important information um, <laughs> if you're a listener of this show and you want to give um, Meaningful Stone a message send her a she <laughs> to read it yeah, I'm going to read it uh, that's really nice you've mentioned before that you wrote Psychomania in English mm-hmm. because you were hoping that you could reach more of your foreign fans that way mm-hmm. Is it hard to write in English?
1: <laughs> you know, writing is more, more. it's it's really difficult than speaking. Yes. And I don't read English books these days, so I just wrote it like, I just wrote it like a Korean, like blah, blah, blah. I don't know that it's just correct or not, Grammarly, but I just write it without, you know, thinking. And just before recording that song, just before, yeah. one hour before the recording, <laughs> I told my friend who is American, I called her like, hey, can you just get <laughs> this grammarly correct? I need it really quickly because I'm here to record it and I really need <laughs> your help. And she said, okay, okay, I get it. And she just made it grammarly correct. Yeah. She said, there's not really much to edit. Oh, yeah. She
0: said there's not much what? else to add. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was already perfect.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> there was like... I'm so happy. I'm so violently happy. She said, like, it's not really easy to write Korean writing that English lyrics, but I just wrote it, like, without thinking.
0: (laughs) I think it's cool, like, especially when that line specifically, I'm so violently happy. Is that a reference to Bjork? Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Because
1: I love her song. I really love her song.
0: Yes, I uh, saw in yeah, a previous yeah. interview, you mentioned that you really liked her growing up. And I was like, oh yeah. people in Korea know Bjork? Like that's so do you listen to a lot of foreign musicians growing up? Uh not these days.
1: <laughs> but I, yeah. I did it when I was 16 and 17. First, I really loved her debut debut album. I really admire her for a role model
0: because She's she a doesn't such
1: music- shanda.
0: Yes. I think a lot of musicians like Björk. Um, mm-hmm. She's very cool. In terms of when you grew up around 15, 16, what other artists were you listening to around that time? Oh, so many. I also like Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, really? She came to Korea when I was like 18 years old. Wow. Well,
1: I, I touched her her shoulders, I remember. <laughs>
0: 2014. Wow, she's been doing this for a long time.
1: Yeah, in Korea. And I loved her songs too. and. And I love the cardigans too, the cardigans. Yes. And I really love Korean indie music too. Korean indie scene like there's a uh, Jonga. Yes. I also love Jonga. Yeah, yeah. Very much. And also Chao
0: Yes, I was gonna say that a lot of your songs from the Cobalt album and also yeah. like Psychomania remind me of Chao yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I think they're so cool.
1: <laughs> I also get inspired.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. And when I was elementary
1: school, I loved Avery Loving most.
0: I was <laughs>
1: Avery Loving kids.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think I everyone wants to be her. Yeah. The coolest, like, girl of the 2000s, probably. Right. You've done a lot of collaborations um, with other people in the indie scene. And speaking of collaborations, I wanted to ask about actually a non-musical collaboration you did recently. You recently acted in a movie mm-hmm. called Hangugi Shiroso because I hate yeah. Korea. <laughs> and I wanted to ask, how did that happen? Like, <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> the director, he just
1: contacted me on email yeah he loved my music and he saw my lo- my music videos he's searching kind of like a character like me and he wanted to he liked to have a film with the amateur he loved to do with other people who's amateur and also professional so he contacted me he told me like i'm searching an artist like you who seem really free <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You definitely do sing for He just wanted to
1: act myself, not a different character. So he's like, hey, just be yourself. And I just feel okay that if you're doing whatever you like on that field. So I feel really comfortable to having my first (laughs) acting. Nice. Yes. Did you know the director before? Uh, I knew his films before, yeah. but I didn't know the director. So I was surprised that how... I'm not an actor, so how could he know my you know, my acting? Yeah, no, that's good. Do you think you'll act
0: again? Uh, <laughs> I, I'd like to. <laughs> I guess I should ask you, what's coming up for you next? I know you're a very busy person, so... You're playing Taipei and Manila, but in terms of music releases, can we expect anything early next year? Um, I'm still writing songs and
1: I have a lot of unreleased songs. So now I'm planning to release a second full-length album. So maybe end of the next year, maybe, I guess.
0: (laughs) Nice. What do you think is the vibe of this new album? Like when did you write most of these songs? I wrote a lot of songs last year. Right. There was a rock
1: songs and also folk songs. So I think the mood is, it, it's kind of different with the call from my dream, mm-hmm. but it, it feels like mixing with the fifth spring and dancing in the rain.
0: <laughs> no, we are definitely, definitely looking forward to it. Very excited to hear that it will be coming maybe potentially end of next year. And I guess final question would be, in terms of people who may not be familiar with you or and want to learn more about you, um, where can they check you out on social media? I have an Instagram ID. And, yep. you know,
1: I, I uploaded Australia vlog last night. I didn't put on my Instagram. I'm going to do it tonight. But okay, Yeah, it's kind of like a small feel.
0: I can't wait to watch that. So that was our interview with Meaningful Stone. Oh, she was so nice, you guys. Uh, Thank you so much to Meaningful Stone for coming on the show. Next up, we're going to be playing three songs, all chosen by Meaningful Stone herself. Um, I'll let her introduce the first one. Hi, my name is
1: Meaningful Stone, and I want to recommend my song, A Call From My Dream. Nice. What can you tell us about this song in particular? It's a love song it's not a simple love song actually it's it's uh it's a actually it's a god love and i just want you guys feel just love when you're listening i just want people feel comfortable and peaceful and i hope your day is beautiful
0: You're tuned in to Asian Pop Nation on Sin. We've just played two songs and recommendation by Meaningful Stone. First up, we played her songs A Core from My Dream and Dancing in the Rain. After that, we played a song she recommended by Tenga, that's spelled T E N G G E R, and that song is called Panaptu. Fun fact Tenga are actually a family consisting of a couple and their young daughter. Following on from our Meaningful Stone interview, we're going to go straight into another interview, this time with an artist called Jackie, who I actually am quite a fan of as well. I actually saw her live in Melbourne recently when she performed at the Catch a Vibe showcase with Soulchild and Squid the Kid. In this interview, we talked to Jackie about her recent shows in Australia, her songwriting process, and also she shared a recommendation for an artist she's loving right now. Without further ado, I'll pass the mic to Senya. Hey everyone, this is Senya from Asian Pop Nation on Sin,
2: and today we are about to chat with a very special guest. She was born in South Korea and spent her childhood in China before moving to the US as a teen to study at the Berklee School of Music. Now, based out of Seoul, she sees music as a deeply spiritual process of self actualization and fulfillment. Her songs ooze sass and confidence, weaving together new jazz, you know, soul, RB, and pop, reflecting her deep love for. Rika Badu, whose album, Baduism, spurred a lifelong adoration for music. And in 2022, she released her debut EP, Birthday, and we played the extremely fun single, "Sago" on the show. So could you please join me in welcoming Jackie to the show? Hello, Jackie. Welcome. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for having me. Now, you recently came down to Sydney for SXXW and have done some sideshows in Brisbane and Melbourne, and one of our co-hosts was lucky enough to catch you here in Melbourne. So how have you found sort of performing in Australia compared to some of the other places you've visited?
3: I guess I never really had experience performing outside of Korea. And I don't know, everybody was so sweet. They were just, I guess, singing along. I never had that experience ever in my life. People were like chanting and singing along and you know they were cheering for me and that was really fun fun experience I wasn't expecting anything like it was just really pleasant surprise that's all I could say
2: and sort of how did you go about preparing for your shows what is it that you sort of think about when you put the set list together what sort of mind space or mindset do you try to be in before you go on stage I I
3: always think like before going on stage I think I'm being true to myself when I'm on stage. Yeah, that's the thing I kind of like, say it to myself. And the, I think that's what and, and the flow of the songs, you know, all my songs, I know, they sound similar, but a little bit different. And I want it to, you know, flow effortlessly. That's what I care the most about when I was preparing for the set list.
2: And you tend to have sort of these like cheeky, irreverent lyrics that are quite distinct in your songs. So can you sort of tell us some of the stories behind them, like the co-host that was able to catch your show, she particularly wanted to ask about the origins of Can You Please Give Me Some Water? And, um, and what is the process like um, when it comes to writing songs? Do you tend to start with a lyrics or the lines or do you start by improvising over a beat?
3: Okay, I'm going to talk about Can You Please Give Me Some Water? <laughs> That song, well, I most of the songs I start with drums and bass line because I think those are the most important parts when it comes to, I guess, like making a song. Like groove is very important to me. So I set those and then I kind of write melodies and lyrics together. And can you please give me some water is about ever since I was little, I always have thought that I am a plant. I see myself as a flower and for me to just really take time and be patient with myself. That's what I was talking about in the song.
2: And then when it comes to, I guess, creating the lyrics uh, over the beat, do you sort of get inspiration from anything in particular that you've sort of been drawn to lately in your music?
3: Well, I journal and most of the time I pull lyrics from my journal. I just like go through my journal. I was like, huh,
2: this is very interesting. How do I write this in my song? And usually that's how it works. And you also write and perform in English and Korean. So how does this affect the way you write lyrics? Like in your journals, do you tend to write in English or Korean? Um, Do the different languages sort of suit different emotions or moods when it comes to songwriting?
3: Mm -hmm. Um, I write mostly in Korean when I'm writing journal, but I find it really easy to express myself in English. I think it's because... I went to music school in the States and I have a degree in songwriting and, you know, like all those classes, like lyric writing, rhyming, like all those like curriculums were in English. So I guess that's why I feel comfortable writing in English, because that's how I started.
2: Mm-hmm. And do you find that your music kind of changes based on whether you're singing in English or Korean? I guess, the, the mood or emotions of the song or when you're writing, did you find that in English it feels different to Korean?
3: I think back in the day, I used to write more, try to write more in Korean. And I guess I felt more vulnerable, but I am preparing for an album and I kind of open myself up to be more vulnerable in English too. So I guess the gap is not too big anymore.
2: And I guess talking about sort of lines and names and titles for songs, we were also quite curious as to why you sort of decided to change your name from Solet to Jackie. Was there sort of some reasoning behind it?
3: Definitely. Solet was uh, a name given by my friend back in college. And at some point it felt so not me. That's what I felt. like. it, It didn't feel like me and I realize that I'm always trying to mask myself I I find myself telling myself that oh I need to be somebody else when I'm being so let and I I didn't want to do that and I am Jackie and I'm very me and I just wanted to you know put myself out there not being afraid to be who I am so that's why I changed my name to Jackie.
2: And we also love to play recommendations from the artists we interview on the show so we'd love to know if there are any songs of yours that you feel like you'd want to give particular love in airtime to maybe one song that you have written that you've been loving more at the moment well my current favorite song is my recent single salty feelings
3: that is the most recent song that i've written so that feels more closer to my real self so yeah salty feelings <laughs>
2: yeah definitely we'll give that some love after the interview um and any other artists that you think some people should check out any Asian artists that you think our audience would love to listen to
3: Um, I have I have many favorite Asian artists but this person inspired me so much and I recently started working with her and she's my good friend called Indohi, and she does um indie rock type of stuff I thought at first like we didn't would like get along that well. But I don't know. She's really cool and I love her stuff. And she inspired me so much, even though just I, I guess it's because we're different.
2: Mm. So shout out to Ndohi. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned that you're sort of working towards an album. Is that kind of what's coming next or any additional shows in the future? Um what sort of insight for Jackie?
3: Um shows. Nothing really planned at the moment. But definitely working on an album, and it's going to be my first full-length album, and I'm really, really excited. I'm trying to shape my world more solid, solid and concrete. That's what I'm working on right now.
2: And since we're sort of nearing the end of the interview, we'd love to know, where can our listeners find you?
3: I guess Instagram and YouTube. Um, My Instagram is Jackie5feet, but J A C qui five feet um and youtube also you can type jackie five feet
0: the same thing as instagram and find me you've just heard three songs the first of these was jackie with her song salty feelings this is her latest single and her favorite song at the moment after that we played a recommendation from her Undohi with her song "Ah, ahaha from the very appropriately and also very australianly named bp kookaburra released earlier this year um keeping on with the animal theme after that we played porcupine by lin ying who is probably my favorite singaporean artist at the moment and i love this song this one i don't know why i realize now reminds me of the beach boys somehow anyway Next up, you'll be hearing from Leisha and Lee about a controversy which has been brewing over an Australian woman opening a sushi shop in New York. Without further ado, I'll pass it to our TikTok correspondent, Leisha.
4: I feel like every time I'm opening my mouth here on APN and starting out a segment, it's like always going to be something, the word I'm thinking is chronically online related topics. <laughs> Like, things that only really exist in the online space. Yeah. yeah. And this one is no different. But I think, dear listeners, especially our Aussie listeners, which is everyone, this story that I have for you guys today will, I guess, hit up. Hit right at home because I'm going to be talking about these viral videos that were posted about a new sushi spot in New York City that went viral for selling And I say this in quotations, Aussie style hand rolls. (gasps) What is Aussie style hand rolls? This is why I have you, Lee. You're my honorary Australian here because I'm not. (laughs) You're going to have to educate me on this entire thing and like the, the shock and the horror behind it. But essentially, it all started from this girl named Alex Marks, who's like a former lawyer from Australia, uh, wanted to basically open her very own sushi restaurant called Sushi Counter in New York City. And I guess for kind of like an everyday New Yorker or an American, what kind of made her restaurant different from any other sushi spot is that her restaurant was claiming to serve Australian style sushi, aka a hand roll and these flavors were kind of like what you would literally see here at any like takeaway sushi spot in the city or in like your campus area so think like teriyaki chicken spicy tuna avocado being added to like a lot of things in general um and yeah those sort of things and well. Like I said, this sort of hand-roll thing is very common for our eyes. This girl got so much backlash online, particularly by American chefs. Um, A lot of them calling her online as like a colonizer, and I say that with quotations, and also accusing her of cultural appropriation since she was, quote, A white woman opening a sushi restaurant. Basically, from what I know, what happened after that? The internet does internet things. A lot of people find this out. She basically gets like review bombed. She deleted all her videos she made on her TikTok account about her restaurant. But because of how like viral the whole thing got, I guess while there was so much negativity, there also ended up being a lot of support. And she ended up getting like tons of, I guess publicity is the word I use, or like marketing for it unintentionally. Cause a lot of people really wanted to support her cause she was getting all this backlash. And now I can say, confidently question mark that her business is doing very well but this whole story is just crazy to me and this is where i need honorary australian lead to help me out here because i did not know hand rolls are like a australian Australian thing only
5: I also didn't know it was an Australian thing, but I guess it does make sense that, like, in America, they, like, slice it into, like, like one-centimeter slices, but Mm. in Australia, they just leave it as, like, a hand roll because you can just, like, eat it on the go. But, yeah, I didn't know this was an Aussie-only
4: thing. No, same. I was, I was so shocked and how, like, how rage people were about this. Cause yes. I just, to me, it just, <laughs> it just looked normal. I think the whole concept as well of like going to a sushi spot purely to like take away a hand roll and then dip afterwards, like you're not sitting down and eating that. Yeah. And it's also fairly cheap as well. Like that whole concept as a whole is very foreign as well for like an average New Yorker and stuff. So that everything combined was just I I don't know it's just so shocking but for me I was like whoa what like I didn't know the rest of the world doesn't know that this is like a thing and this was like the most bizarro thing about this whole story I don't know oh my gosh and then I also found it very bizarre that people would flat out calling her like a colonizer I will say that like I think that I think that is like 20 billion steps far
5: here's the Um, thing though like most sushi places in Australia aren't even owned by like Japanese people no literally yeah just like those like to go sushi places most of them are not run by any japanese people like japanese people probably run like actual like restaurants or like izakayas or whatever
4: yes yeah exactly
5: the colonizer comment yeah
4: (laughs) in our case that's the two asian women here (laughs) we're kind of just like huh like it's no big deal
5: yeah like like
4: i if anything i think it's kind of cool as well that she wanted to bring something that she thought was kind of missing in new york that's very close to home for her because again she is australian and probably saw this as a fun way to bring something home like here and like you said most most sushi restaurants with this concept here in melbourne are not even owned by like japanese Japanese people people. so it's not that far of a stretch and and i feel like if people want to put this concept of being a Call colonizer for this. And what about like the several bajillion fusion restaurants that exist in like this world? You mm. you know, I I I don't know. That it of a stretch. It's just
5: so <laughs> stupid. And like, I feel really bad for her when people like review Bomb Tereshon mm. because like with like new businesses, especially reviews are like everything. And then she had to like delete all her TikTok videos Like I feel so bad for her
4: No, I, I, I agree Especially like small business She's just starting up And probably like with anything nowadays, not even just restaurants, like if you're a small like time musician or something like that Mm, thing, like videos going viral is like that is your way you get traction and like the fame and people coming in and the fact that you're you open and you immediately get all this negative press because people are calling you colonizer and culture appropriation when actual like Asian people and just Asian Australians are literally like, oh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like this is so chill it's so oh my god it's crazy but at least to from what i've seen online this whole drama has like what was i gonna say oh from what i've seen online all this drama even though initially started bad i think right now in current day things are going smoothly i mean her i've checked her tiktok account there's no videos posted on it so i don't know where she will she will return to that space anytime soon but I've seen some videos of other people who went to like her restaurant to check out hand rolls and all that stuff, who are like Americans themselves. And they're just all like, yeah, give support. And they said yeah. they like talk to the owner and business is booming. So I think think things are all good. I guess as long as she stays away from the internet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true,
5: actually. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, thank you, Alex Marks.
4: Thank you, Alex Marks. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> if your business is booming. Booming. We'll love to check it out if I'm ever in New York. Mm. <laughs> one day in the far future. <laughs> my manifestation moment um keep Norman i don't know keep feasting
0: boy <laughs> you're listening to asian pop nation sin's resident show for asian music and asian pop culture you've just heard three Smooth tracks, starting off with Nate Night Antics by Squid the Kid featuring Inficia and Alicia Ray. After that, we played Live Life by Popo J from his album Good Looking. And finally, we played Jinbo, Hirsch, and Popomo with their song All That You Wanted, a very smooth disco number. Now, there's been a trend recently on Asian Pop Nation of covering gamer related news. Um, A lot of that is related to the fact that we at Asian Pop Nation have some. Gamers among our ranks, Lee. Next up, you'll be hearing from Leisha, Lee and Xenia about some new unexpected collaborations that game companies have been doing with K-pop idols. Without further ado, I'll let Lee take it away. Welcome back
5: to APN. It's finally time for some news in the gaming
4: scene in Asia. Are we in player one at Sin right now? What's going on?
5: That's right. So first off, we have the company behind the popular game League of Legends. Um, so they've come out with their latest, I'm going to say K-pop group, boy band sort of thing. But the twist is that the members are the playable characters from the League of Legends game. Now, I don't play League of Legends, so I'm not familiar with the characters' names. But according to my list here, the members of the group include Kane, Ezreal, Set, Yone, or Yone, I don't know, um, K- Kasante, and Aphelios. I don't know if I pronounced any of those names right. But what I do know is that back in 2018, Riot Games created their first group called KDA with four female league characters with like real life musician counterparts. So they were Madison Beer, um, two members from the K pop group uh, G Idol and Jaira Burns, and they were like sing for them. So with this latest group called Heartsteel, it's essentially the same thing, but it's an old maid member group and the artists that are seeing for them are Baekhyun from EXO, Toby Lou, Ozzy and Cal Scrooby. Um so they've come out with an animated music video which after watching it um furthers my belief that Riot Games should definitely be an animation studio and not a game company. Because at this point they make better animations than their games. Wow! But the music video is really cool.
4: I'll say with Lee's point about like her kind of going into this thinking it's like a very K-pop type of song. I will disagree. Oh! I don't think the vibe that they're going for is like a K-pop aesthetic or style necessarily i don't know why i just think uh, as someone who listens to it i don't think this is like i don't know in the k-pop wheelhouse i would say but i mean i know with league particularly this year because they have like their world's championship that's happening up and i think that is happening in korea specifically they've been leaning into all their content being very like k-pop focused like new jeans for example is singing like the anthem for the league of legends world championship um called gods haha and that song if you ever listen to it is very not new jeans genre it's it's like the only way i can sum it up it's a very like league of legends type of song and i feel like paranoia which is the title track of this song by heartsteel is very much in that same realm of like it sounds so like in its league music genre. It- it's like the type of song that I would hear if I'm really trying to like game super hard. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, what? I disagree.
5: It's very K pop to me, but no, this is not. from someone who doesn't listen to K pop. Like, Real it sounds like. <laughs> oh, okay. my bad
4: okay with paranoia right i do agree the music video like animation wise is goddamn gorgeous it's one of those where it's very reminiscent of like into the spider-verse where i feel like i can pause every single like time and there's something happening in the background like very unique doodling and stuff that's happening and it's very it's got a lot of style it's got a lot of character it's very cool to see Um, I also don't play League, um, but I really like how these characters look. Um, Hey, (laughs) some of them are very good looking. I'll say Baekhyun's character that he's singing for. It's like the green hair guy. Um, He's very cute to me. This is a 2D character I'm talking about. But yeah, (laughs) I would say initially when I listened to it, I really liked the song, but I don't think past that point, I really like picked it up to listen it. Again, if you get what I mean And then I know when we were watching this music video Off air, Xenia You had something very interesting to say When you were watching this And what you're coming what? from you're coming from someone who I don't even think is in like game, game
2: realm You're like none of box. the above I came into this thinking This looks a lot like my brother's Fortnite montages Or like when people do What was that? Um, game Team Fortress And they had like <laughs> I don't know, animated songs Gmod or- yeah, no way Xenia is it saying it just ga- this ga- is gave like- me the truth. Like, these are 12 year old kids watching this on their iPads. Like, this is like, what
5: you just put your brother on blast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's really so, just- He'd be standing next to me and be like, Yeah, that was me when I was younger. So, <laughs>
4: but don't you animation at least for this is like on a different league entirely like it's uh-huh. just smooth
2: i don't think it's like well this is pushing the boundaries of animation oh but yeah it's no like,
1: <laughs> but
2: i think it's like yeah it's obviously a lot more well done than other animated videos about to a song. but i still feel like this is the vibe that i got from it
5: oh my gosh wait it's cringe whoops oh <laughs> sorry yeah
4: wait i'm very <laughs> curious if either one of you guys like Were you guys in the KDA, like, hype way back in the day? Did you know anything about KDA Xenia question? Because I know Lee does, for sure. No. (laughs) Okay, cool. Okay, because I was going to say, with, like, KDA, I don't know why. Their vibes are just, they're literally the same concept, right? Like, virtual, like, League of Legends characters that have their own song, making it all together as a group. But I don't know why. The KDA, like, brand, persona, their songs and everything or just like i don't know it's like better i don't want to say than the heart seal concept i'm just gonna say
5: it's because women get it done
4: girls get it done, it's done. girls get it done and you're so right and also i did like a little bit of little research prior to this and like Heartsteel, they're like I I don't know why on Heartsteel right on their Twitter account and everything they make it seem like on the Twitter account they are actually interacting with the fans like the characters are writing and creating all this like lore and lingo like their Spotify profile description is literally them being like oh our names are this this and this. Uh, we didn't know that writing bios can be so complicated, like something along those lines. So clearly, oh, yeah. they're trying—they're—they're they're trying to like break the fourth wall. I don't I know weirdly that.
5: enough. I think that's sort of yeah. It's like from a fan service perspective, but I think KDA was like actual good music. Popstars was really good. But also, one thing that really confused me is that in the group, there's six characters, yes, but there's only four, four singers.
4: The- yes. No, so. this is the thing which was weird as well Because I think KDA, like, they had four members yeah. They started out with, like, four And each member had actual musician attached with, like, the voice But still, they're going on a different route Where it's four real artists, but six Mm. i think they made it that like two of them you they just don't sing yeah they, but they're yeah, in I the group
5: like, i'm waiting like who's gonna sing their part but
4: yeah no i i won't say Heartsteel steel is like a failure in league's part because i oh, think no. they I, I don't i think ryan got what they wanted mm-hmm. uh and ryan will always stay in the top of the video game chain unfortunately haha <laughs> <laughs> i don't play league um well, actually <laughs>
5: another game company yes
4: around the same did. time yeah. as hard steel coming out we've got blizzard entertainment <laughs> oh
0: You're listening to Asian Pop Nation on SID and right now we're in the middle of talking about some unexpected collabs that game companies have been doing with K-pop idols. We'll be continuing that discussion very soon but first up let me run down the three songs that you just heard. First up you heard Heartsteal's Paranoia. This is a collaboration between Baekhyun from EXO, Toby Liu, Ozzy and Carl Scrooby. After that, we played Baby Mint with their song Ring Ring Ring. And this is a very fun song that actually comes from a survival show, a Taiwanese survival show called Next Girls, uh, which I have not watched. But some of the songs are pretty bangin'. <laughs> After that, we played NiziU, You, JYP's Japan-facing girl group, with a Korean release called Hartress, which is a portmanteau between heart and tetris isn't that cute speaking of games we'll be continuing the gaming discussion by talking about a new song collaboration between overwatch yes the game overwatch and an extremely popular k-pop girl group another game company yes around the same
4: time yeah. as hard steel coming out We've got Blizzard Entertainment. Oh. Yes. Behind
5: Overwatch 1 and 2 and other games like Hearthstone, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They also did a, well, they did an actual K-pop collab with Les Seraphim. They came out with a single called Perfect Night, which I actually really, really like. It's so good. (laughs) We're going to play it after, but oh my God, it's so good.
4: It's really good. It's the prime example of what you said, Lee, of like girls get it done because (laughs) they really do um yeah i not only did they come up with like the song they also have like a music video as well completely we'll talk about it later because it's very easy to compare it with like heart steel they're like two completely different vibes um but this collab they also like if you're somebody who plays overwatch they also have like a limited game mode Call Concert Clash it's kind of funny it's basically <laughs> like a capture the flag scenario but you're trying to capture the la Seraphim light stick <laughs> in the
5: the flag is the light, stick.
4: <laughs> the, the light stick and i have so many words about the little seraphim flights like light stick i could go on because it just looks like a damn bat in the middle but not only that they also have for specific characters in overwatch they have their own skins which are like the designs are very inspired by like the lacerapin logo and just like the whole color scheme they're going for this very like purple whitish type of thing um and yeah, La Seraphim, kind of like how we mentioned Heartsteel, are going to be performing at League of Legends World Championship. Um, Blizzard has their own like convention thing that's happening and La Seraphim are actually going to be performing there. They're going to be performing Perfect Night. They're going to do their whole discography. It's going to be Crazy Town. Damn. But yeah, let's talk about this one. This one's going to be very interesting because Lee and I actually play Overwatch. <laughs> oh my god okay back to business let's talk about this one let's talk about perfect night and the music video and everything i think the clear distinction and probably where someone like xenia might like this project and stuff a lot more is that they're not really trying to make a pseudo group out of these characters it's like two completely separate things like the seraphim are there and then these selected few overwatch characters are there and they're kind of in the music video, doing their own thing. They're trying to get tickets to a Listeraphim concert. <laughs> and Listeraphim in the music video are just there, like, dancing, dancing and singing and doing their stuff. Like, that is it. But it's very cute. Oh my gosh, Lee, what did you think? I really liked it. Also, the new
5: skins for the characters. They look so good. Like, I I mean, I wouldn't spend money on this game, but like (laughs) this? They got me wanting to spend money for this. Same, same. They look so good.
4: Same. The temptation is really there. Oh my gosh. Now, the specific characters they have in there, I mean... Okay, like, Diva, I definitely expected that she would have, like, a skin there, but I was very surprised that they picked, like, Brig in the mix, but I'm so yeah. happy they did, because finally she has a very nice, like, really cute skin. That's... I don't even main her, but damn, like, mm-hmm. all the girls look so cute! And again, I think me and could speak more about the in-game experience because we both, like, have the game. But mm. it's also, like, I think they also have dance emotes for this yeah. event. And it's them doing the anti-fragile dance by the oh. <laughs> And I was like, this is just so funny to watch, but also kind of cute. If you're somebody, like, who really enjoys the best of both worlds of, like, K-pop and Overwatch, I feel like this is... Quite a successful collaboration, in my opinion. Um, and the I song, agree. the song is just really, really good. How would you describe it? It's like very very relaxed chill like i feel like heart steel is like again in that very ampy it's just a league of legends song again it's like a league of legends song very hyped very like you know you're about to enter the championships and people are about to like pew pew you to death or something Mm. but this one is about like being chill like me and my girls like yes. it's it's literally the lyrics are like what is the song literally starts with like me and my girlies (laughs) the song is it's just about you and the girls hanging out together and on one hand maybe that doesn't speak to most of the overwatch demographic because i think it's mainly like grown-ups men who are playing this yucky game but this one was for the girls and i'm i'm a girl and i am happy with it
5: mm-hmm. i'm here for this this is the best thing that overwatch 2 has come out with
4: it's, it's still under a paywall so we're not really like winning 100 well, percent. actually okay except for your junk rat skin what
2: about missy
4: but zenya i don't know if you like watch the mv for that one
2: i started watching the first bit and it just looks like another music video to me to be <laughs> honest <laughs> i wouldn't have known it would be for a game really
4: yeah it's one of those where you have to watch like the whole thing you're like oh okay like they're they're meshing up like La seraphim the real idols doing their thing and then these overwatch girlies try to get tickets to a La seraphim show sombra on her bike very uh, oh, oh my gosh it looks so good they look so good I'm talking, we're talking about 2d fictional like Bro. game characters but these skins are really nice <laughs> oh my god and diva looks so good anyways
5: what? they all look so good and the skins look great
4: yeah um i guess overall i think the listeners can tell which one we're more i don't want to say biased <laughs> too but <laughs>
5: we <laughs> like this one better, guys we There's like new, this
4: collab better like I'm, it i'm sorry heart steel. i Girls i mean get it done girls get it done and ooh, like what can i say <laughs> but i don't know listeners let us know what is you think about these two big game collaborations throughout instagram facebook and twitter and maybe you can share your thoughts if you agree or disagree with our takes goodbye gamers farewell forever <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is Asian Pop Nation on SIN 90.7 FM, and you've just heard two tracks, both from South Korean girl groups. Firstly, we played the new Overwatch collaboration with La Seraphim called Perfect Night, and after that we played the song Vroom Vroom by Weekly. Unfortunately, we've reached the end of the show for tonight. It's been a very fun show to put together and I hope that you enjoyed listening. We had not one but two interviews with two really great artists. Still crazy to me that I got to talk to Meaningful Stone for like an hour. But yes, that happened. Um, Xenia also did an interview with Jackie. After the interviews, we also talked about Australian Sushi and the recent releases by Heartsteel and Le Seraphim with League of Legends and Overwatch. To round off the show tonight, as per APN tradition, we're going to play something a bit mellow. This next song is Housing Problem by Hong Kong singer-songwriter of the moment, Moon Tang. I hope you enjoy it, and we'll be back next week. This is Tracy, signing off for tonight. (laughs)